Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. In 2012, uh, 1st of January, I got married uh, at the ripe old age of 33. And uh, two days later, uh, I was off to my honeymoon uh, in the US. And me and my wife, we went uh, through three flights, 15 hours, with a 12-hour stopover in Seoul. And finally, after one grateful day of traveling, we arrived in the big island of Hawaii. Okay, nice place to go for honeymoon, recommended. Okay. <laughs> and the next, so because of the time difference and all that, we had to adjust uh, to, to no, try not to sleep and then all that. So our whole body clock was a bit messed up. Okay? But the next day, uh, we tongue one whole day, we never sleep. Then the next day, we woke up fresh and all that, ready to conquer the, the island, right? To just have a look. And one of the reasons why I wanted to go to the island was because of the volcanoes. You know, Singapore, we don't have a volcano. Like uh, Malaysia, don't have a volcano as well. So I wanted to see the lava and all that. And it's very interesting because the day we arrived, the lava stopped flowing. And the day we left, the lava started flowing again. So it was, <coughs> it was very, very sad. But uh, we went to this place, uh, let me pronounce it correctly, called Kilauea. Okay, Kilauea Crater. Okay, and it's actually an act, one of the most active craters in Hawaii. Okay, and we are walking around the, the place. It was, it was a very nice walk and hike. And as I was walking there, by the way, this is the place there, and uh, that's what I used to look like. Okay, <laughs> we went around this, um, in a sense, this walk around the, like the top of the mountain, in that sense, the crater, and we were walking around. And as I was walking, uh, I had a sensation within me. My, my chest started to tighten, my heart started to race, you know, and I've watched enough um, TV programs to know what are the symptoms of a heart attack. You know, always a Chinese movie, always all these things come first, right? So I thought at that moment, okay, chest pain, you know, uh, chest tight, have shortness of breath, you know, and I, I, I just, I was just paralyzed at that moment, I couldn't do anything. I thought I was having a heart attack. Okay, so my wife was a bit worried as well. We sat down at the bench that was there, and then after about 15 minutes, you know, everything returned back to normal. We continued our walk. Uh, fast forward about one week later, we were in Las Vegas, okay, and um, we actually went to the Grand Canyon. Okay, we made a mistake, lah, okay. Uh, Grand Canyon, there are, two, there are two points, the north and the south. Okay, the soft one is just next about an hour. We went to the seven hour one. Okay, so it's seven hour one way, you know. So it was 14 hours in the bus or us, okay, and we had to pay like uh, $200 per person. It wasn't worth it. <laughs> okay, but when we were in the bus, the bus is on the right side, you can have a look. Uh, inside, just a normal bus. Uh. Outside, just, they just pin you on. Uh. Okay, I begin to feel a bit stuffy, and the same symptoms happen shortness of breath, chest tightness. You know, and I needed to get out. I feel I was trapped. I was going to die in that place. You know, I've, I've, I've a lot of experience sitting buses, but this was the first time I felt that way. Okay, but thank God I persevered through. I lasted through the whole journey. Okay, and when we came back from a honeymoon, and at that time I was staying uh, somewhere in Changi, you know, and I, had, I found that I have a lot of issues doing normal things in life. For example, I would encounter a, what I came to find out as a panic attack when I enter into a car, when I go into the bus, when I came to church, when I even just walk around the house, suddenly you know, I'll get a panic attack. And I began to ask 
no, like, what is happening to me? What is wrong with me? You know, and uh, everything in my life was changing. And just for, for you to have a little bit of background, I took some time to do this montage. This was actually my life before. If you can see the next picture, okay? This is my life. Okay, I'm a very adventurous person, you know, I can go to the rulers of places in China, you know, we do missions, you know, we can go to, the, to Pahang in the Orang Asli in the middle of don't know where on the palm field and all that, and then we build churches there. That was me. That was me before. But ever since that day, everything changed. I couldn't do any single thing up here that you see in the photo. My life totally changed. In fact, one of my biggest struggles, and at the time I just became the youth pastor, one of my biggest struggles was coming back on stage. I couldn't. I couldn't. Even walking into the sanctuary was a struggle for me. I would encounter a panic attack. In fact, I think I have this picture over here. If you can see this picture up here, the next one. This was actually Pastor Liner commissioning uh, me and uh, two other pastors to be the youth pastor of Mega Life at that time. What I think he didn't know until last week, okay, he didn't know, and what I think most of you did not know then was that actually when I was outside before walking in, I had a panic attack. My whole face turned white and I wanted to back out because coming in the sanctuary, coming on stage for me means I'm going to die. And I was, my whole life changed. My whole life changed. You know, before I was adventurous, outgoing, but now I became isolate, isolated. I isolated myself from community. I didn't want to meet anyone. And I just became, in, uh, entered into a semi-depressive state. And subsequently, I was connected with a psychiatrist. Uh, some of you may know him, Dr. Leslie Lim. You know, and he diagnosed me as having general anxiety disorder. And this has been the journey I've been on for the last 11 years of my life. Okay? And some people don't understand the condition. It's like, don't think so much about it. Lah. You know, don't think so much about it. You know, if I can help it right, it wouldn't become an issue in my life. The problem is that I can't help it. I can't help it when the body reacts. I can't help it when the thoughts go down a spiral. That's why it's almost like a disability for me. You know, in Singapore, this is one of a very big issue that's coming up in our country right now. Just to give you some stats, um, one in seven Singaporeans suffer from mental illness. So there's at least a number of people in every cell that suffer from mental illness. Okay? And the most affected is those between the age of 18 and 29. And one in three young people have mental health symptoms, and the most affected ages 14 to 16. Now, if you look at these stats, you know, you're thinking like, oh, what's happening in Singapore? Why something like that, right? If you look at the next slide, right, the next slide, you will understand why this is happening, okay? Number one, Singapore is the most fertile country in the world. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> okay. And Singapore is second most overworked country in the world, amen? Especially those who work in church, yeah. And number three, <laughs> Singapore is the third most sleep deprived in the world. You put all these things together, actually Singapore is a country where a mental illness epidemic waiting to happen. Lack of sleep, fatigue, high stress level, you put all of it together. That's why our mental illness cases have gone up so much. So here's the thing, what is the church's response to this epidemic? How should we respond to it as a church, as individuals, as leaders to this 
James 1.27, it says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans, widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted in the world. In essence, what James is telling us is this, that the, one of the big roles of the church is to care for those who cannot care for themselves, which in that time was the widows and the orphans. But in today's day and age, I believe it includes those people with mental disabilities, mental illness, mental symptoms. You know, when I was going through this right at the start of my journey, you know, I was just ordained as the, the youth pastor, and sometimes ministry can be very cruel, you know, because people expect a lot of you, you know, and they don't care what you're going through. They just want things done. They want you to lead correctly. They want you to have everything figured out. And I'm still figuring out this journey, but at the same time, I'm figuring out how to become a, a husband. And also at the same time, I'm figuring out this sickness like, God, how do I manage all these things at the same time? The only thing I got from the church at that time was people praying healing for me. But when healing didn't come, the church was absent for me. The church was absent. I did not find help in the church when I became the, the youth pastor. I only found demands for ministry. And this is why this message is very personal for me because I believe that we as a church, we can do more for people with mental illness. We can do more for people who are struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression, because that's what the church of Jesus Christ is. We're not supposed just to hang out with people that are similar to us, who talk like us, who earn the same amount as us. We are an inclusive community. We welcome all sorts of people to come into the house of God. Whether you're rich, you're poor, whether you're of different nationalities, you speak a different language, or whether you're mentally well and you're not mentally well, we welcome you because our God gave, loves everybody regardless of who you are. And the church represents that. So the church must welcome and learn to journey with those who are not like us, including the mentally ill, kids with autism. So sometimes, you know, what's a good place to start? You know what? In this century, every Sunday, sometimes we have kids that cry. Sometimes in the middle of a sermon, we have kids running around. You know what? It's, let's be okay with things like that because that's what family looks like, right? In Chinese New Year, there's no perfect Chinese New Year where everything is sweet, sweet flow, order flow very nicely. One. Every Chinese New Year in your reunion dinner is always a chaotic time, correct? Because that's what family looks like. So sometimes we must be okay if in our midst, certain people act up because they have a mental disorder. Children start to run around. It's okay because such is the kingdom of God. We welcome everyone. Just to quote you from uh, Liao Wenping, he says this in his book, Changing Our Minds, the church needs to learn to respond well to this reality, not just because mental illness is already the lived experience of many church members, but also since the inclusive call of Jesus' gospel extends to people with mental illness. So caring for the mentally ill is part of our gospel. So we must do our part. And that's why we're doing this sermon today. My prayer as we go through this whole message today, for those of you who are struggling with mental illness, I pray today that you'll find handles, you'll find hope, and you'll find a church that wants to journey together with you. 
for those of you who do not struggle with mental illness and those of you who are carers, I pray today that you'll be able to find some help on how to care for people who are going through mental illness. Okay? So today I'll be sharing from Psalms 13 and I'll be coming from the angle, from the context of anxiety disorder. Okay, I know there's a lot of other mental issues like depression, uh, bipolar and all that, but today I'm going to come from the angle of anxiety because that was my experience. But the principles I share will apply all throughout the different uh, sicknesses that we go through. Okay? So having said that, I'd like to preach today from Psalms 13. Okay, Psalm 13. It'll be good if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. If not, you can look at the screen. Okay, and Psalm 13. And let me read it to you. Verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And how long must I take counsel in my soul, in my emotions, and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I prevail over him, and my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let's all commit this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can always come back to your word and, what you, and hear what you have to say in our various situations and what we go through in life, both as individuals and as a nation. And today, Lord, even as I share uh, about mental illness and also about anxiety in particular, Lord, I pray that your word will really bear forth much fruit for this house, Lord, and you shape us as a church to be the church that you want us to be, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now that you've heard my story, okay, so let me move on to the first point. How do we face anxiety? How do we face mental illness? Okay? What is the posture that one should take when you walk through the path of sickness such as mental illness? You look at Psalms 13 verses 1 to 2, you will find that the psalmist is pouring out his heart before the Lord. How long, Lord? How come you are not intervening? Why is it you are absent in my life? Okay, in the Psalms, in this Psalm and many other Psalms, you will find the Psalmist constantly pouring out their sorrows, their despair, their frustrations with the Lord. So the context of Psalms 13 is this, which was written by King David. He endured 10 long years of persecution from King Saul. 10 long years after, being, after defeating Goliath. 10 long years. And God never delivered him or explained to King David the reason for his unjust persecution. And that's why you see in the Psalms, there's so much emotions that David pour out as he writes, because he was struggling through these 10 years, and subsequently with his son Absalom as well. There's so much distress, there's so much despair, you know. To, and God is okay with us coming to him with questions, coming to him with despair, with our frustrations at times as we walk through the journey of sickness because God is a father and so we can come to him with our frustrations. But here is something that, you know, um, I want to share with you today. There are a lot of popular teachings in the church today, you know, and we love to hear messages like this. Hey, God heals. Hey, God does miracles. Hey, you are victorious. You are not defeated. Hey, you are, you are the head and not the tail. You are an overcomer. I mean, all these things are true. But for some of us, 
we do not see this reality in our lives. And Scripture, if you read it carefully, it doesn't just emphasize on all these victorious aspects, but Chris, um, Scripture also emphasizes on the path of suffering. On the path of suffering. You know, some of us will be called to walk the path of suffering in our lives for the glory of God. You know, it's not a popular teaching, but if you read the Bible, the same Bible as I do, you will find that that's the case. God has called certain people, in, I mean, on earth, to just walk the path of suffering for His glory. And he, a lot of times, He doesn't explain why. A lot of times, He doesn't deliver them from it. And we're left hanging, like, God, why? And we don't have the answers. We don't have the questions. You know, so for some of you, you know, I want to encourage you this day. You have been on this path for a long time. You have struggled through living through depression, through anxiety, you know, and you, you keep asking the question, Lord, why, Lord, why? How come you're not intervening? God, why do I constantly have panic attacks all the time? When are you going to rescue me, God? Can I encourage you that perhaps it is time to stop asking the why questions and it's time to start asking the how questions. God, how do I walk this road? for your glory. If you've gone for healings a lot of times, you've gone for inner healing, you have had people pray for you and still healing has not come, maybe it's time to ask the Lord, God, how do I walk this path for your glory? And that has been my experience. You know, I've gone for many, many healings from people who are anointed in the gift of healing. You know, I've gone for inner healing a number of sessions and still, I still struggle with anxiety disorder. In fact, this whole week, just to be honest with you, I struggle with it. I don't know why it came back this whole week. Maybe because I'm preaching this message. Lah. Yeah, so sometimes you don't know what happens in the spiritual. Yeah, so I struggled. Even last night as well, I had trouble sleeping the whole night. And it has been tough. But sometimes I need to stop whining and asking the why questions. Why me? Why this path? And start asking. Say, God, you have chosen me to walk this path. I want to walk it for your glory. So those of you who struggle, you know what? Acknowledge the sickness, accept it, but get up and walk victoriously through your sickness. Suffer well. Suffer well. Not as one as defeated, but as one as victorious. Okay, um, just to quote here, mental illness is not a failure of Christian faith, but it is a challenge to Christian faithfulness. Okay, I want to be found faithful as I walk on this road of sickness, as I walk on this road of anxiety, so that others who struggle with it can see my example as well. And I pray that will be the case for you. So embrace the posture of surrender to God's will, His wisdom, and His sovereignty, even though God does not reveal to you why. Continue to walk victoriously on this path. And in case you feel like you're alone, like, well, I'm the only one, no one actually, you know, has gone through this before, can I remind you that Scripture is full of examples of people that God has set aside to walk the path of suffering. You can look at the next slide. These are so many people, you know, and this is just a glimpse of some of them. You know, you have King David gone through so much spiritual torment, so much, uh, sorry, emotional torment. You have Job for no reason. You know, he lost everything, even his health. And every single one of the apostles, they walked the path of suffering 
for the glory of God, even to death, even to death, not gaining anything, not knowing why the path is so hard, not knowing why God does not deliver them from the path of suffering. And ultimately, Jesus himself walked the path of suffering. In today's day and age as well, more modern times, you see individuals like this, giants of the faith, you know, people like uh, Rick Warren, people like uh, John Sung, uh, Catherine Wolf, uh, Joni Arison Tada, all these individuals, you find that even in the midst of their sickness, that this path that God has called them to, they walk victoriously. So church, if you are struggling, you know what? You are not alone. You are not alone. You're surrounded by a multitude of witnesses, all in the same situation as you. So take heart, get up and walk victoriously. Okay? So have the right posture. Embrace the path as a privilege that God has called you to walk on. Okay? So now that we understand what is the right posture to walk on this road, let me come to this the second point, which is we also need to examine our lives or what I call checkpoints to see if our lives are aligned with God. Because a lot of times, one of the reasons why mental illness happens is because we become out of, align, out of alignment with God. So we need to check. But before that, let me just describe to you uh, what is a panic attack. Okay, just very candidly, can I just ask how many of you, you have experienced the worship? Come out so far again. Okay. <laughs> How many of you here, you have actually experienced a panic attack in your life? Just raise your hand. I just want to know. That's a sizable amount of you. You know, it affects a lot of us. So this is what happens in a panic attack. All right? So let me give you an example. It starts off always with a threat stimulus. Okay? It can be irrational thoughts. Okay? It can be a muscle pain that's associated with a previous episode of attack. Okay, or seeing an overwhelming sight like crowds or confined space. So for me, the initial years, I struggled to actually get back an active lifestyle. That's why stomach so big. Okay, active lifestyle, you know, because every time I try to run or do sports right, I would encounter a panic attack. And I'll, I'll find that it always starts off with this particular muscle on my left side, on the back there, that starts to ache very badly for no reason at all. Okay, so there's a threat stimulus and my body would then interpret it as a threat. Oh, you know what? This has happened. Therefore, you are going to die because it's a heart attack. Okay, it misinterprets it as a threat, but simply it's just a sore muscle. That's all, because when you run, sometimes muscle gets sore, right? Yeah, so because of this misinterpretation, anxiety is felt in the physical. Okay, and this is where the body enters into a fight or flight mode, okay, or panic attack, lah, producing a lot of adrenaline. And this is where all the symptoms that I described just now happen. Your heart starts to raise, your tightening of chest, uh, your sweaty palms. Some people feel the lump in the throat, discomfort in the stomach. It's like, what is happening, right? And then as a result of that, the, a lot of times the brain is telling you, okay, you need to get out of this situation, you need to get out of this situation, okay? And you seek safety by isolating yourself from the crowds to run away from that situation which your brain tells you is a threat. And once that happens, okay, after a while, your body will crash because the adrenaline runs out and you're left hanging. So I find that after a panic attack, I cannot function. 
I need to sit down and rest or sleep because I cannot function at all. Okay, we call it the, the panic attack hangover. Okay, it's a panic attack hangover. And then after that, right, what happens is that the body or the mind will reinforce, will learn from the experience. Okay, sore muscle equals to, um, to heart attack, therefore heart attack, this is what the body needs to do. And you go through a vicious cycle. It repeats itself. And that's why for people who struggle with panic attacks, it's so difficult to get out. Okay, so difficult to get out. Alright? So one of the reasons why many people go through panic attacks, anxiety attacks, or even mental illness is because we have gone against God's rhythms and design for our lives. Okay, if you look at Genesis 1 to 2, you will find this common phrase in there. It says this, and there was evening and there was morning, and on the seventh day God rested from his work. You see, right at the start of creation, God has already established a certain rhythm for our lives. And the problem for us is that we step out of these rhythms and designs, and that's why we encounter issues in our lives. Okay? Ecclesiastes says that you know, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There is a time for everything. Okay? So God designed our lives to function within a particular rhythm. Okay? So we must identify the areas of our lives and see you know, which are those areas that are out of alignment with God's design and God's rhythm. So I want to broadly go through three areas for those of you who are struggling with mental illness to see whether you have gone out of alignment so that you can come, you can work on these areas and come to the place of stability. And for those of you who are not struggling with mental illness, right, it's good to look through this so that you can work on it and don't end up with mental illness. Okay? So this applies to all of us. Okay? Number one is this, spiritual. Okay? We must see whether there are open doors in our lives for the demonic or, or the kingdom of darkness to come in and mess up our lives. And a lot of times, this is a consequence of sin, uh, undealt hurts, baggages, uh, our relationship with God is not strong because God is life. Okay? So all these things can actually contribute to us having um, mental illness. Like for example, one of the, the best examples in the Bible is King Saul. He did not dealt with his jealousy against King David. When the women were all singing, oh, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. He became jealous. He never dealt with it. And as a result, the subsequent verses, it says, and a, a distressing spirit entered into Saul. You see, when you don't deal with baggages, when you don't deal with sin in your life, the kingdom of darkness has found an open door into your life. So firstly, you must deal with the spiritual aspect of things. Okay? Okay, I'm going to move very quickly because I'm running out of time. Uh, Bill, um, this guy called Bill something, okay? He says this, to read your soul's anxiety, you must first listen to your body. Okay, that's always To read your soul's anxiety, you must first listen to your body. Okay, so the question for you today is this, how healthy are you um, uh, uh, physically, okay, this is the second aspect, physically. We saw spiritually, now physically. How healthy are you physically in your body? First Corinthians and all throughout scripture, we are taught that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we must glorify God through 
our body. In Singapore, the retirement age is 63. Correct, 63, right? So my question for you is this. Will your current physical lifestyle right, enable you to reach 63 healthy? Or you hey, hey, chuan, chuan, then you reach 63 with all sorts of illnesses, sicknesses, you know? Or you won't even make it there because of your physical lifestyle. Okay? So your body must be healthy enough to glorify God. Okay? So we must take care of our bodies. Okay, so some of the things that I've learned in my course on anxiety, okay, one thing that's very important is exercise and recreation. Okay? And Pastor Lina say amen. Yeah. Can can really tell you're someone that works out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah. So exercise and recreation. Okay, let me read you a quote from um, the US. It says this Arabic exercises including jogging, swimming, cycling, walking, gardening, and dancing have been proven to reduce anxiety and depression. Do you realize that those of you who are suffering from anxiety or depression, right, the tendency is not to be active in your life? Do you realize that? Because you find that you want to run away from anything that is a threat. But the truth is that you need exercise and recreation. That's why there's a point in time, you know, that my, my dad will call me every week. Before I'm married, my mom will call me every week and say, hello, got girlfriend, really not? I say, no, no girlfriend, okay, I'm busy in ministry. After I get married, every week they call, uh, boy, I eat your vegetables, you know, and make sure you do your exercises. And the time I was staying um, uh, with my in-laws in a condo, right, we have a swimming pool. So my dad always say, okay, don't do impact sports. Always go and swim because swimming is the best. It will help you uh, lose weight. It will help your mental health and all that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, you know that? You know whales? They're swimming all the time, you know? And they're fat. How does that work? And, and they always sound very depressed. It's like, mmm, mm, like always very depressed, right? Okay, but anyway... That's a funny thought that came to my mind, okay? <laughs> yeah, but jokes aside, actually, exercise and recreation is really needed for our lives, especially if you want to thrive in work and ministry. Because a lot of things happen in your body when you are active, when you exercise, okay? The next one, Singapore's favorite topic, sleep and rest, right? Singapore is one of the most, I'm not sure that it's the most or, sorry, number three on the the list. Singapore is number three in the world, the most sleep-deprived country. Number three, behind Tokyo and Seoul. Singapore number three, okay? Cannot get number one, too bad, okay? <laughs> so one of the big important dis, uh, checkpoints is this. A lot of times, psychologists, uh, sorry, psychiatrists will always ask you, one of the first questions is this, how is your sleep pattern? How is your sleep pattern? Because a lot of things happen when you sleep. When you sleep, your body starts to recharge. Uh, all, the, all your memory, the, the brain organizes things properly. Okay? And, your, and a lot of things are produced in the body. The cortisol levels reduces and your body actually heals itself as you sleep. The problem with us is that because we want to overwork, we want to push it, so the body has no chance to actually heal. And that's why we have all sorts of issues. Okay? So sleep is important, at least seven hours a day. 
Okay, if you're getting five hours, can I just say to you, sometimes that job is not worth your health. You are meant to glorify God through your body. Okay, just a side note. Nah. For us pastors and full-time workers, right, our off day is Monday. For y'all, the first work, working day is Monday. So the tendency when we go to work is like, oh, I got issue, I need to clear with my pastor. I get a lot of phone calls on Mondays. Okay? <laughs> So can I just help, can you help us out, okay? Don't call us on Mondays, okay? Unless it's really very urgent, okay? Don't call us on Monday because we really want to enjoy our break. That's why, that's why I got anxiety, like, see, like, yeah, okay? Okay, uh, let me read a quote here from Health Hub, okay? People diagnosed with depression or anxiety were more likely to sleep less than six hours at night. So once they have adequate sleeping hours, their anxiety or depression actually improve. See? Sleep helps because it heals the body, okay? And also remember to turn off your Sabbath. Keep your Sabbath, okay? Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. It is a time for you to recharge. Stop every work, okay? Stop every work. God designed it that way so that mentally it can rest. Your brain can rest. Your body can recharge. The right hormones will start to produce as you do things that you love, Okay, don't think work seven days a week. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Okay? The problem with a lot of Singaporeans is this. They don't sleep well. They, don't, they work on Sundays or their Sabbath day. They work seven days a week and they think that their saviour is coffee. It doesn't work. That is a disaster waiting to happen. Alright? So, okay. So we have seen uh, exercise. We have seen sleep and rest. Okay, and turning off also your mind, not thinking about work like 24-7. And of course, everybody's favorite topic in the physical is actually our nom-nom, okay? Our diet. Okay? Our diet. So what we eat as well is important. For those people, those of you who are going through anxiety, right, maybe you can identify me because at the start, uh, when I was going through the start of my journey, right, through anxiety, you know, I couldn't find comfort anyway from anywhere like no one understood it doesn't mean they didn't care but they couldn't understand they couldn't journey with me and I couldn't find comfort anywhere so the only comfort I found was in food so every night after 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 I work you know I come back you know just sit down on the couch and then find whatever snacks that I have you know and I'll just just eat them because I become so comfortable I feel relaxed when I eat Okay, I know a lot of you do too, but for different reasons, okay? <laughs> I feel very relaxed as I eat, you know? And in a sense, it's not healthy because it's actually damaging the body. That's why now my stomach's so big, lah, okay? Because during those years, actually it's not true, lah. This is also partly my parents' fault, lah, okay? Because <laughs> when I was young, they always tell me, like, you better finish all the food on your plate, lah. you know? You know how many children in Africa lah, don't have food, you know? You know, and it's only recently I discovered actually how much of this uh, is actually helping Africa, you know. <laughs> so, if, those of, if any of you here, you're from Africa, I want to tell you that actually I did this for you, okay. <laughs> Wakanda forever, okay, no. <laughs> so, ensure that the diet that you have, the food that you have going into you is healthy. It is whole, it is nutritious, all right? Not just the things you like to eat. Because all these things actually helps the body to heal, helps your body to recharge. So it's important. That's how you glorify the Lord through your body by eating well. 
And one of the things that I've learned over the years is this. If I want to last the journey of my ministry that God has called me to, I need to start not just exercising, but eating well as well, sleeping well. If not, I won't last the journey. Okay? So make sure you have enough uh, um, whole foods, you know, things like vitamins, minerals, and especially those of you who struggle with anxiety, vitamins B9 and B12 have been proven to help anxiety. Okay, so ensure you get enough of it. Um, okay, Harvard Medical School, okay, they have found that bad diet and refined sugars impair brain function. Okay, and John Hopkins Medicine, they have found a link between um, your, your, your stomach, you know what happens in your stomach, and also in your mood. All right. So actually, those of you who struggle with panic attacks, you will realize that every time you go through it, right, you'll find that your stomach is having gastric as well, or something's happening in your stomach because it's all linked. So we need to eat well. Okay, let me move forward. Okay, the last checkpoint is this relationships. The tendency for people struggling with mental illness is to isolate because a lot of times social settings do uh, create a threat for us. And we dare not, you know, enter the social settings because we feel that every time I meet my friends, I may get a panic attack. If I come to church, I may get a panic attack. What happens? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen, so I better not go. I'd rather stay, stay in the comfort of my home, you know, watch the live stream. But the, 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 the irony is this. We all need community. We all need relationships to help us heal. So even though it may be difficult at the start, you know, take it step by step. You know, maybe at the start, you find it difficult to come up to the worship center. You know what? Just come to the atrium every Sunday. And then you build up your confidence. Take the next step. Go to the foyer. And before you know it, you challenge yourself. Come into the auditorium and worship with us. Celebrate the small victories and challenge yourself to be stretched so that you claim what Christ has given to you and bought for you on the cross. You are not bounded by your sickness. Okay, it's possible to actually uh, heal in the area of relationships, okay? so that you're not afraid of social gatherings. Okay? And it's very interesting, uh, this um, research here, it says that our IQ actually drops 30 points when we isolate from people. Okay? So even research has shown us that we need each other, we need communities, we need close ones you know, to be able to thrive in our lives. Okay, so the physical, the spiritual, and relationships. Okay, these three checkpoints, how are they doing in your life? I want to end the sermon by sharing with you the last point, which is called signposts. You know, along the journey of depression, of anxiety, of bipolar, sometimes it can be very, very discouraging. And a lot of times when these things happen, you are alone in your room, outside, you know, in, on the buses, and there's no one to help you. There's no one that you can actually talk to during this time. So I remember I struggled with this a lot. Like in these moments, where do I turn to for help? You know, what do I cling on to in these moments? And it's important, you know, to be able to cling on to certain truths in this moment so that during the panic attack, during the depression, you hold on to these truths and let it define your reality and not the other way around. Okay? In, the Psalms, in Psalms 13, you find that um, David, after complaining to the Lord all the first few verses, he ends with this, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. 
even though I don't see you rescuing me, even though I don't have the, the, my questions answered, but I still trust in your steadfast love. Okay, and but is a very powerful word in the Psalms because as the psalmist all throughout um, the book of Psalms, as they pour out their heart before the Lord, their anger, their frustration, their despair, they will always end with a but. But I will trust the Lord. But God, you are a shield about me. But God, you know, I've trusted uh, in you, but I wait for you, but you have upheld me. The psalmist always turns back his eyes towards truth. And that is what got David through his 10 years of running away from King Saul. In fact, one of the passages in scriptures which I love so much is actually found in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 24. It says this, But this I call to my mind, and therefore I have hope. Therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. In times when you are actually struggling, when you feel that you're alone, cling on to these truths. And these are four truths that I want to leave with you as I bring this sermon to a close. Number one is this. God is still good. Even in the midst of the path of suffering, He is still good. And it's important for those of you who are struggling to not let your sickness cloud your vision of God's goodness in your life. Just because you don't see God's hand in this area of your life, the healing, it doesn't mean God is not good to you in your life. So we must remove, you know, don't let the, the sickness become bigger than the goodness of our Lord. God is still good even through my suffering and He's still good to me. Number two, I am who God says I am, not what my sickness says I am. You know, some of you, you, have, you are struggling so much. It's like every time people think about you, they think about this sickness. Like think about A means depression. Think about B means bipolar. You know what? Don't let your sickness define you. You are not your sickness. You are a child of the living God. You are loved. You are victorious. You are accepted. You know, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Walk victoriously because I am who God says I am, not what my sickness say I am. So even though I have anxiety all these 11 years, you know what? I don't allow it to dictate who I am in Christ because in Christ, I am victorious. Don't allow your sickness to define you. Live beyond it. Okay? And number three, I am still called to do God's work on earth, even on this path of sickness and suffering. The tendency for people who suffer with anxiety, depression, bipolar, and other mental illnesses is to refrain from ministry, refrain from serving and isolate to our case, to our comfort zones in our houses. But the truth is this, God is still calling you. God still has a call for your life. Whether you are sick or you're not sick, God still has a call for your life. So don't stop serving God. Don't stop living out your life for God's glory because God can still use you even in the midst of your sickness. You are not 
useless. You have a calling by our God. So live out your calling. And the last truth is this, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come out. The last truth is this. One day, Jesus is coming back for me. In times when you are, you don't know what to do in a panic attack, you don't know what to do when the thoughts come in and you spiral down that negative trail. In times like this, hold on to the truth that your saviour, your bridegroom is coming back for you. And it says in Revelation 21, you know, that God will be with us and we will be with him. He will wipe every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. And neither will there be mourning, crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That day is coming and we hold on to this glorious hope. And I know some of you, you are struggling here. You know, as you come into this place today, you know, like you've really been through a very tough week dealing with the mental illness, dealing with panic disorders, panic attacks. You know what? I want to encourage you. Hold on to this glorious hope that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, you know what? He's, in my imagination, he's going to give you the, brave, the biggest hug you ever received in your life. And he's going to tell you, my child, my daughter, my son, it is over now. No more pain. No more panic attacks. No more bad days of mood. No more days of thinking that I, go, I want to end my life. It will all be over. And he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant, because you have stewarded this path for my glory. So hold on to that hope. You know, our, our, our friend Josh, he actually wrote a song which I listen to a lot and I will cry a lot of times every time I listen to this song because this song means so much to me. It is my cry to the Lord. Because a lot of times when I go through a panic attack, after that I will ask the Lord, say, how long more, Lord? How long more do I have to walk this path? How long more till the panic attack stops? How long more till the, 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 the mental torment stops? How long more, God? How do I live? And Josh, in that song, he reminds us that in the waiting from the resurrection to the time when Jesus comes back, how do we live? We surrender our lives to the Lord. We lay it down. We lay down every right and we embrace His calling for us to walk this path for His glory. So as we listen to this song, you know, I want to encourage you, those of you especially who are struggling with a mental, um, mental illness, you know, there's so distress inside of you. I pray that this song will be the cry of your heart. That here, as I wait, God, here in the waiting, I want to set my eyes on you. Here in the longing, I'm longing for you to come back, God, to take the pain away. Here in the longing, I'm yours, God. I'm yours. So let's listen to the song together.
Blessed are you, though you have not seen, still you love him. Blessed are you, though you have not seen, still you love him. Still you love him. Can I have all of us to stand off it? You know, in a, in a moment, I'm sorry that I've taken a bit more time than I should, but I just felt that I really want to do this. Um, there's some of you here, you know, your, your prayers constantly be, you know, how long, Lord? How long, God? How long more do I have to walk this path? And I understand because I'm asking the same question as well. How long more, Lord? How long more do you come back and make everything right? Because right now, that journey is just so, so difficult. And every day is a struggle to wake up and to say, I want to live today for the Lord Jesus Christ. If that is you today, you know, I want to give you this opportunity right now as we sing this song to come to the front and to once again submit your life to the Lord. Say, Lord, I lay this down. I know it's tough, but I want to still walk this path for your glory. I still want to walk this path so that my life will count for your kingdom. If that is your cry this day and you struggle with mental distress, mental health issues, you know, as we sing this song, would you just come to the front and just lay down your life once again to the Lord? Is it God? Through the pain, through the suffering, I'm yours. I want to speak especially to those of you here that you are mothers and it hasn't been easy for you taking care of children and there's so much distress you feel every single day. I also want to invite you to come to the front and surrender your life to the Lord once again. Say, God, through the thick and thin, through the pain, through the suffering, I want to be yours. I'm yours. That's what my life is for, for your glory. So as we sing this song, can I invite you to come to the front? Here I am, oh Lord. I bring this sacrifice, my open heart. I offer up my life, hallowed to you, Lord. Is your love never restores me again here I am oh Lord I bring this sacrifice my open heart I offer up my life hallowed to you Lord is your love that never ends Resource me again So I'll lift my eyes to you, Lord In your strength will I break through, Lord Touch me now Let your love fall down on me I know your love dispels all my fears Through the storm I will hold on, Lord And by faith 
my Calvary one day, and I will be complete in you. You know, church, I shared at the start that, you know, as a church, we need to embrace people who struggle with mental health. We need to embrace people who are going through mental distress. So this is what I want us to do as a church, you know, very quickly. Those of you, you're out there, you know, in your seats, you see your cell member, you see someone that you know at the front. What I want you to do is to come down to the front and stand alongside your brother and your sister and you say, I am here with you. You are not alone in this because that's what the church is for. That's what the church is for. And leaders, if you can help me, you know, if there's anyone that doesn't have someone standing alongside them, can you just stand alongside their brother, their sister, and say, we are here with you, you know. So as we sing this song one more time, you know, those of you at the front responding, just surrender your lives to the Lord. Do business with the Lord. Say, God, I would not want to let my life be defined by the sickness anymore. I do not want depression to define my life, but I want my life to count for something greater. So Lord, today once again, I surrender the pain, I surrender the hurt, I surrender the disappointment, and I say today, Lord, I am yours. Okay, as we sing this song one more time, let's sing it together, church, as a whole community. share you something that I read uh, from Kay Warren for those of you at the front you know she was just saying those some sometimes when we get uh, when we get to heaven you know all of us we see the you know the scene in heaven and we meet the heroes of the faith and a lot of times we think heroes of the faith are missionaries you know are people who do great work for the Lord while they're here on this earth but she believes that the heroes of the faith are also people who struggle with mental health 
every single day in silence and still choose to wake up and say, I will live this day for the glory of my Lord. So we just give everyone in the front just a big hand, you know. And to everyone of you here, you know, at the front, I want to encourage you, you know what? You are not your sickness. You are not defeated. You are not rejected. You are victorious in Christ. So get up and walk this road for His glory. Walk proudly, walk victoriously. Yes, there'll be days, there'll be days that there'll be defeats, there'll be days that, you know, are down. It is okay. Jesus understands because He walked through that path of suffering as well. But you know what? Continue to walk until the day you hear the words good and faithful servant when you meet Him on that glorious day. So I encourage you, you know, I'm sorry we are taking a bit more time than usual, but I just want us to end together by singing about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That while we may suffer for a while right now on this earth, one day will come when every sickness, every panic attack, every depression, every bipolar disorder will be gone in the name of Jesus when He returns. Amen. And we want to sing about this hope as we close this whole service. Right. Now I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity there will be a day, there will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with you died and rose again. Holy, holy. Every prayer we pray, and every prayer we prayed in desperation. The songs of faith we sang through doubt and fear. And in the end, we'll see that it was worth it when He returns to wipe away our And beside the heroes of the faith With one voice, a thousand generations Sing the Lamb who was slain Forever, 
see Jesus. See Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Come on, let faith arise in this place to stay when we all get to When we all see Jesus, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. So let it be today. We shout the King of Heaven with angels and the saints. We raise a of you at the front we are believing for, for you we are standing together with you you know on that day Jesus will come back and we cling on to this hope for you as well you know so don't feel like you're alone okay continue to walk strongly suffer well on this path that you're on amen just one last thing before I pronounce the benediction okay uh, there's a lot of things I wanted to share today which I didn't get to so what I did was actually I put a lot of my sharing into a small booklet for, for y'all in a devotional booklet so for those of you who struggle with anxiety uh, I actually put this booklet together for you it's a one month uh, worth of devotions and you can actually do it day by day I'll share some of my thoughts some of my the lessons that I've learned and you can journey through I think our comms people will be sending out the messages as well uh, by WhatsApp and the various uh, uh, telegram channels and all that okay so don't worry if you don't get the link okay but my encouragement to you is that you know go through this booklet and hopefully it can encourage you as a journey along all right so let's uh, receive the blessings from the Lord okay now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of our Heavenly Father and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest and be with you till we meet again in Jesus name we pray amen and go in the blessings of the Lord if you need prayer Please come to the front and we want to pray and stand together with you through this. Okay. Thank you for listening to the River Life podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.